This book will inspire you to find beauty in the nature around us. Land of the Long White Cloud, page 115, Kakariki and Kaka. Kakariki was just a little parrot covered in green feathers, but when he stretched out his wings to fly, flashes of brilliant red gleamed underneath the green. One day, Kakariki was in the forest with a big, strong parrot called Kaka, who had brown feathers. Kaka was fed up with his dull plumage and was envious of Kakariki's red feathers. He decided to brighten himself up. He knew that Kakariki liked him, so he thought it might be quite easy to persuade the small bird to lend him some red feathers. Kakariki, he said, you see those beautiful feathers that you have, those beautiful red feathers. Why don't you lend them to me for a little while? I would like to wear them to be as beautiful as you, but I won't keep them for very long. Kakariki, who was trusting and generous, thought to himself, yes, I can share them with Kaka, no reason not to. And so he pulled out all his red feathers and gave them to Kaka to try on. But Kaka did not wait to try them on. As soon as he had them safely in his claws, he made off as fast as he could go, deep into the forest. Kakariki ran after him, calling and searching, but Kaka was already far away, prancing about in the trees, admiring his shiny new feathers. And so it is now, Kaka that owns the beautiful red feathers that flash in the sunlight when he flies, and Kakariki is simply a sad green parrot. You're listening to Anything But Silent from the British Library. In the last episode, we traveled to libraries by road, boat, and rocket ship. In this mini-episode, we're talking to an author who has traveled to some of the most remote and dangerous places in the world. Joining the library today is adventurer and survival expert, Megan Hine. I'm Megan Hine. I'm a wilderness guide. I run the safety on some of the world's biggest adventure TV shows. Um, I'm also author of Mind of a Survivor, which is an exploration into the psychology of survival and looking at whether the traits of resilience can be transferable from the wilderness into everyday life. To tie in with the theme of adventure, I have chosen the book Land of the Long White Cloud, Maori Myths, Tales and Legends uh, by Kiri Tikanoa. And this was published in 1989. So I was given this book as a present. Uh, it was when I was about eight. I had some family that were living in Australia that bought me this book. And it's all about the myths, tales and legends of Maori culture of New Zealand. Uh, and before that, I was, I was really into the outdoors. All my family holidays were to go exploring uh, the mountains of North Wales, the Lake District and Scotland. And for me, being outside just answered something, even at a very young age. There was something about fictional writing that really called to me, and fiction mixed with travel uh, was just incredible. So when I was given this book and I started reading it and started looking at the pictures of it, and it was just opened up this whole new world to me. It's illustrated beautifully with these incredible pictures of spirits and humans and this interaction with the natural world, birds, animals, uh, and it looks at where the world came from, where the world stemmed from, from the viewpoint of the Maoris. 
I remember hiding underneath the blankets at night uh, sort of when I was supposed to have switched off my light uh, with a torch, just looking at these pictures. And I knew, even at eight years old, that I would go to New Zealand as soon as I could. And at 17, when I graduated, I earned enough money by working in a pub to go out to New Zealand, where I spent 10 months out there, actually working in an outdoor centre out there. It was the idea that magic still exists in the world is what sort of captured me by this book. The fact that you could go and explore these incredible environments uh, and really sort of become involved and all these environments have stories behind them and all these native peoples you know have a beautiful history and you know some of these stories are quite dark as well and I think for me it was that understanding that you know the world isn't always good you know there are light and dark parts of it. Since that first time I went off to New Zealand, I haven't stopped traveling. And I feel like I owe a huge amount to, you know, the inspiration that it gave to me. For me, what makes a place are the people. And I just find people and their interaction with the world around them so fascinating. It's that psychology of, you know, what is it about some people that allows them to walk out of a survival situation alive and thriving, whereas some people don't. Writing Mind of a Survivor was really exciting for me because resilience is something that I've always been really interested in. I used to read a lot of books on explorers when I was a child, um, Shackleton, Oates, all these big books. And a lot of it talked about the physical hardships of being on these expeditions. Um, and even as a child reading these books, I always felt that there was something missing. There was like nothing really talked about, like the mental hardships that these people went through on these incredible expeditions. And I started wondering why that was. Um, and later in life, once I started guiding myself and exploring some of these pretty extreme environments, I realized that a lot of it is down to uh, management of emotions, things like fear and anxiety which in the moment can be sort of overwhelming and can really affect the way that you're operating in quite a negative way. Uh, so I learnt, as these explorers did, to be able to separate out those emotions, to be able to put them in like what I call like a mental box and shut that down. And these skills, I think, can be transferred into everyday life because it's so much easier in the wilderness when you're confronted with something that's quite scary. You know, for example, you're standing on top of a cliff and you're exposed and the wind's blowing, it's howling past you. Um, and if you can learn to deal with the emotions in that environment, so maybe you're on a rope or maybe you can step back away from the edge, you learn to be able to deal with these emotions. Whereas I think in everyday life, become so overwhelmed. There's so many stimuli from all different avenues, all different paths, that it's really hard to pinpoint one thing where anxiety is coming from, and it's a whole host of things. So I think by getting outside and actually pushing yourself uh, within the safety net of a guide or a leader in that environment, it's actually an incredible experience and very good for the mental health. You know, what I like to stress is that it's not just about heading off and climbing Everest or doing some crazy adventures. It's actually just about getting outside, reconnecting with your body, with nature and with the world around you. And yeah, sort of really looking inside that mind-body connection gets you moving, gets you appreciating things and puts life into perspective.
Land of the Long White Cloud continues to inspire me. You know, I was, I was reading it again recently, and I think, you know, the stories now to me, having traveled so much, seem very simple. And, you know, I've, I think I've learned to be quite cynical and question the world. <laughs> but still, within these stories, there's like that element of magic, of the fact that, you know, native peoples, and I, I do a lot of traveling and I do a lot of work with native peoples, you know, deep in the Amazon jungle, uh, Borneo, Kelebit, out into the San Bushman, you know, people all over the world. And I just find it fascinating that every single tribal peoples that I come into contact with have got their own mythology, their own stories, their own beliefs. But so much of the time, these beliefs are tied in with nature uh, because for them, you know, whatever environment they live in, whether it's jungle, desert, mountainous, you know, they're whole livelihood, their whole survival revolves around the season. It revolves around knowing where the animals are going to be at a certain time of year, when the waters come, when the fruits come. And so much of their culture is just is just entwined with the natural environment around them. And these are things that have kind of been lost from our own society here in the UK. I would like to pass this book on to my niece and nephew. At the moment, they are three and five, and I just want them to have that same appreciation of the world, to have the same response that I do in terms of like questioning the world around you. For me, it's the little things like a ray of light that comes through the clouds or a little flower. <laughs> All these things, I just like kind of take my breath away and just, you know, it's like, wow, these things are just incredible, like how life always finds a way. And, you know, reading a book like this that gets you thinking about nature and our connection with it and noticing the world around us and also the magic in the world around us. You know, I'd love yeah, my niece and nephew to, to read this book and, and find the same sort of inspiration. Thanks to Megan Hine. We'd love to hear about the writing that made you. Perhaps there's a library book you loved so much you struggled to take it back. Get in touch at British Library on social media and use the hashtag anythingbutsilent. Anything But Silent is a Pixie U production for the British Library. We'll be back in two weeks' time for our next main episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>